Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Kempower, the reliable, quick, and scalable EV charging solutions for everyone and everywhere. And StarCharge, the largest EV charging manufacturer in the world and is also a provider of residential and commercial battery storage. Hello and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm your host, Francie. Thank you for plugging in with us today to cover a story of a very capable EV and couple. I am lucky to be joined by Grant and Felicia today to talk all about their 3,000-mile road trip in their ID4. And on top of that, they did it all the while towing a camper trailer. So thank you both for joining me today. It's great to have you. And I can't wait to learn more about your road trip, what you learned along the way, and your experience. And most importantly, if you would recommend it to someone else. So thank you for joining me. <laughs> yeah, happy to be on. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Of course. Uh, so EV ownership and being convinced to go electric tends to come with a lot of good questions, especially considering the efficiency and the capabilities of an EV to make sure that you can do all that you want to do with your EV once you have it, all the things you were doing before or dreams that you want to do in the future. And we've covered a lot of road trip stories and documented that you can clearly definitely make a road trip with EVs. It was harder 10 years ago, five years ago, but it's getting easier and easier. And as we know, we've done them. And it may look a bit different to the road trips with those gas-powered cars, but that's okay. It's kind of a learning curve that we have to embrace at this point. So Grant and Felicia, I'd love to know why did you decide to first off, actually, why don't you tell me the, the impetus of, yeah, this story. So you have an ID4, you decide to hook it up to a camper trailer and go 3,000 miles. Wh why? Do you want to talk about your Subaru first? Because yeah. that's actually one of the reasons why we bought the ID4 yeah, in the first okay. place. Um, so I had a, a Subaru Outback that I had for about three years. And um, we did one road trip across the country with it. We didn't have a trailer at the time, um, but we definitely racked up some miles on it. Um, nothing too crazy. But um, then we got our Scamp, which is... A small fiberglass trailer 
It's about 13 feet, very lightweight. And we knew that my Subaru would tow with it. Um, it just barely <laughs> uh, towed with it. Um, and then there's some issues that started happening with the car. Um, so we decided, you know, before this is more money than we're willing to spend on it for fixing it, why don't we just look into EVs? We were living in California at the time. It seemed like it um, sent a uh, decision well, that made sense. Gas prices were crazy high. So I think they were like what six fifty near us at we the time. Not as high as like seven ten in California. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But the, so the transmission was like on the fritz, not doing well. Um, it was only it only had like one hundred thirty five thousand miles on it, and oh. we we were talking to a mechanic about CVT transmissions and just how unreliable they are, even though. Our trailer's only 1,500 pounds, and its towing capacity was 2,800. Uh, honestly, I think the car was probably already going to start having some issues on its own, but then starting to tow with the trailer probably only uh, exacerbated that. So we started looking into a lot of options. Plug-in hybrids were like kind of the first option that we looked at because we're like, all right, we can do most of our daily road trips or like daily commuting if we, if we need to commute um, all electric. And then if we're doing road trips, we'll know that we at least aren't going to get stranded and, you know, it'll be a whole lot simpler, at least with where the charging infrastructure was at. Um, but with the plug-in hybrids we looked at, uh, a lot of them, you know, we felt like we could be taking a risk with towing just because there also wasn't that much precedent with it. Um and we started. And they were a lot more expensive. Than, oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, like the Highlander that was that was out of our price range for sure. Mm. Um, and then there weren't really any tax incentives on that versus the electric vehicle, which we definitely took advantage of when we got the EV. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I have a Subaru too. I have a Subaru Outback. So I, you know, I've I've loved it, but then now I have the company car, which is a VinFast VF8. I don't know if you've heard of those, but it's, it's a EV automaker out of Vietnam. They're like, um, we're, we're trying them out. You know, they're a little mysterious. So I get to have (laughs) a long time. (laughs) It's holding up really well. I mean, she, I call her a she, um, she runs, which is the, the bottom line, of course, but right after we, uh, we got her on a long-term lease three years out of North Carolina. And then immediately I drove her back to Tennessee, 800 miles and drives great. There's some buggy things with the software, but overall the the hardware in the car seems to drive well. But of course there are, it's not the most efficient and we'll get into that too, is like efficiency and stuff. But it sounds like you were med- ready to make a change. Being in California, definitely there are incentives out the wazoo from just like, I don't want to pay for gas to there's great infrastructure compared to other states in the U.S. for public EV charging. And of course, there's financial incentives as well, which is, you know, I'm sure it starts to push you that way to look down the line. And I know that, Grant, you said you did a lot of research. So I know one of my questions was, okay, what did you research for the towing? But you did a lot of research before making the decision to even buy the EV. And you decided in a Volkswagen ID4. Why that EV? What drew you to this one? Yeah, that, that's a good question. It took a lot of research. Um, honestly, I think the, so we already had our scamp. Um, that's one thing to know. And at the time we were actually considering, do we sell it and we just buy something that's smaller and more economical and just like go back to tent camping. But we're like, you know what? We've been dreaming about this for our really last like 
decade. Like we've always wanted to travel um, in this way. So we're like, all right, we're going to, let's make the scamp work. Um, And that's when I started looking into more options. The Tesla Model Y honestly is, I think, a great towing option for that car. Obviously there's the charging infrastructure and the Tesla Model Y has a towing capacity of 3,500 pounds, which is plenty for towing a 1,500 pound trailer. Um, But honestly, the cost of the Tesla Model Y was just, it was too much for us at the time. Um, And that's why we shifted over to looking at the ID4, which has a towing capacity. At least we have the rear wheel drive version, which the 2023 has a 2,200 pound towing capacity. So kind of really just enough for us to feel comfortable with towing the Scamp. And honestly, though, now that we own it, like that car is a beast. It tows so smooth. Yeah. And than my Subaru ever did, honestly. Yeah, I would. And I remember we got in the car with a a friend, a family friend, actually, who was towing an RV or a camper trailer with their uh, Chevy Suburban. And we got to experience what it was like to tow with like a gas car after having been in the ID4 and their transmission was really struggling. And we were like, wow, we are so grateful now that we don't have to even worry about a transmission mm-hmm. uh, uh. because the towing experience of like towing the scamp with the ID4 is really good. Honestly, um, we should talk about range and charging when that time comes. But honestly, as far as like the capability of towing, uh, that's why we narrowed in on the ID four. And then we were calculating just our month to month costs for it. Um, and I think all in with insurance, having the car leased, it ends up being around five fifty to 600 a month. Um, and this is a car that we share. Um, so it, it's pretty economical. And we calculated that even if we were just to keep the Subaru, uh, for, you know, it's for further lifetime, the monthly cost with gas, with insurance, with maintenance would come out to a similar cost. So at that point where there was like price parity and then also like uh, a ton of other reasons as well, it kind of made sense. Mm -hmm. I see. It seems like you were laying out the options and really putting thought into it, which I think is something that a lot of people, you know, you had the motivation behind it. Sometimes people don't have like all the analytical stuff in their (laughs) brain. They don't have all the Excel sheets, but when you can put it down on paper, it can really make sense that electric is a really great option, whether it's cost savings into the future or the tax incentives. But also, of course, when you're considering the capabilities of what you want to do, if you want to be on the road in tow, that factors in as well. And that adds a new complexity to it. But yeah, so you have the this camper that's 1,500 pounds, you said, and then this the ID4 was able to tow that and a bit more. And then you chose the rear wheel drive option. Can you tell me why that was your selection? Yeah, mostly just because of costs i think it ends up being it was was it five or ten thousand less which was substantial and then the range on the rear wheel drive is supposedly higher um it's like 270 instead of 250 and we needed all the range we can get so (laughs) (laughs) i know with evs for sure yeah. Yeah. Moving across the country. And yeah. So we'll, we'll get into that too. So you did a bunch of research, of course, to buy the EV. That was your decision. You wanted to be able to tow. And then you decided that you're going to go 3000 miles with it, with the camper on it. So you're moving across country and that was your motivation, 3000 miles. And how, how did you plan for this? Was it going to be, okay, let's do it as quick as we can, or let's have some fun along the way, stop and see the U.S.? There is no way we could do it quickly, honestly. And that is one of the biggest limitations with 
towing with an EV, you're just going to have to be patient right now. I mean, finding chargers is a little bit challenging, easier than it ever was, but um, still a work in progress. And then um, just to conserve range, we had to go a little slower and we were towing. So um, yeah, definitely take your time with it. If you are going to tow, don't be in a rush. That's like, that was like our number one rule when we went um, on this road trip, we were like, if we're in a rush, it's just going to make our experience miserable. So we were like, yeah, we're just going to take our time. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I think the EV, the way that I've embraced it, especially, you know, I come from a, a certain perspective where it's like, yeah, I'm like researching what it's like and trying to understand. But I think anyone definitely has to treat it as this is an experience, a new experience and I'm going to be patient and enjoy it <laughs> and learn along the way, especially yep. when you're towing. Cause Kyle has towed a good bit with his Rivian and he has said he's probably not going to do it with the Rivian again because some of the routes he's taken with the charging infrastructure, it's really tough. Plus a lot of the charging stations, which we'll get into aren't pull through Uh, where intend to in Europe, we tend to see more of that infrastructure. And then in some cases, but for the most part, the U S is not pull through. So that's interesting too. (laughs) Yeah. And we we have some data on that actually, Uh, at least from our span from, California to Colorado. So our first like 1400 miles, we had to unhook the trailer about half the time. Um, the other half the time we could kind of angle ourselves into where we weren't in the way. Um, and luckily our trailer is pretty small. So like it wouldn't take up too much space. Um, but we also considering we're a duo that helped a ton. We were able to like get taking the trailer off of the car down to like under two minutes, maybe was it a minute? minute. We got it down to a minute. It was like really efficient with it by the end of the trip. (laughs) A pit crew. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So, but as an individual, that would be really challenging. And yeah, honestly, so I think there was only one charger. It was in the middle in between LA and Las Vegas. That was uh, a pull through. And when we, we got there, actually funny story, the electrify America app said all of those, all of the chargers at that location were down and we show up. And we're, I'm like, I'm just going to plug in to see if it works. Like we're already here and we plug in and it just starts charging. Like it didn't ask us for payment. It just started working. And, That's uh, great. <laughs> and then the guy that does the maintenance for them shows up like 10 minutes later. And he's like, yeah, like I saw that all the, all the chargers were down here. And I'm like, actually you're good. Um, they're working and they just had some error with their system. So if you ever see that all the chargers are down on a station, I'd say, and you had to go there, still go there and then just give them a call because you never know what they can do by just resetting or you never actually know if their information is correct. And it could go the other way too. It could say it's working and then it doesn't actually work. So that's um, true. Hopefully you get the way that you got it, which is pulling up and it it just works. Plug in. That's yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That sounds like a good alternative. Like we, we get free charging. That was another thing that, um, like incentivize us to get the ID four over the Tesla, um, the, the, um, Volkswagen, they, they do like a three year, um, free charging for, I think it's a half an hour. At least 30 a day minutes, yeah. Or half, yeah. 30 minutes of free charging. So that definitely helps with the costs right now. Yeah. We probably spent a hundred bucks going across country on charging. Pretty so, good. Yeah. And, I mean, I know, te- I think technically you could just unplug and replug, yeah. right? Or does it, 
But it didn't feel right to me at the time, but now it actually, I, I would know. do that. We haven't tried would it. Would you do it? Now? I've tried it. I've tried oh, it. it. It does work. Yeah. It. But at the time I was like, you know what? I'm getting so much energy for free. Like I'll spend the extra $5 to top off. Your little um, conscious, your angel on your shoulder was <laughs> yeah, <laughs> louder so. than, the, than the devil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're supporters. We want to, we want to at least show them that, you know, we're using it and I would like them to know that, Hey, like people are trying to tow. People are trying to do unique things because mm-hmm. um, I think if they know that we're willing to do that, they might actually change the infrastructure too. Like you said, most of the stations aren't pull through and that's a major inconvenience, um, but it's something that in the long run they can definitely solve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen some Tesla supercharger stations. Well, they'll, ca- they'll kind of have one at the end that's uh, placed a little bit further out from the rest that are usually on the lineup that just backs up. And I've been to one pilot flying J station, which is the, the combination with EVgo and Pilot Flying J and Travel Centers and GM, where there's a canopy and you can pull through, but they're not the norm for sure. How long was your setup with the ID4 and your camper? I think the ID4 is actually longer it is. than our trailer. So maybe 25 feet? Yeah, probably 25, 28. Yeah, 28 feet, something like that, almost 30. It's long. It's like yeah. It's almost like a limousine. It's kind of great. Pretty yeah, long when you consider, okay, if we're going to block it, this is how we're going to try to block it the yeah. least way. Or if it, sometimes charging stations are not very full, sometimes you're, you're there at night and then you could just move. But I feel like, you know, y'all camp and stuff. So it's like getting your tent up and down as quickly as possible, getting unhooked from the yeah. trailer <laughs> as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of with, make it a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can gamify it. I feel like a lot, lots of the EV experience is gamifying it and having yeah. fun along the way. Mm-hmm. And um, so with the efficiency, of course, you, I'm sure there's many ways that you did it, but is there, you carried along bikes with you, right? Is there mm-hmm. anything that you tried to do with like aerodynamics to think, to consider how can we make this the most efficient before you even set out, before you had learned from your experience yet? Yeah, I we were definitely thinking about it, but we didn't want to get rid of our bikes. We also wanted to use them on the trip. Um, And I think we only use them like once. But honestly, by the time we reached Kansas, uh, we learned that we needed to we needed to put the the bikes inside of the the back of the scamp um, to, to increase aerodynamics. I can't give you like a specific like increase in range. I'd say it maybe it was it could have been up to 10 miles, which I would say. That was when I was driving, and mm-hmm. um, if we hadn't put the bikes inside this camp to make it more um, aerodynamic, we wouldn't have made it to the next charger. We made it there with, like, 3%. It was, oh, it wow. was really crazy. There's oh no charging infrastructure in Kansas. <laughs> it's about – sometimes you – I think the longest stretch was 120 miles between chargers. So, we, yeah, that's where, like, all right, we just got to put the bikes in the back, drive 55 – um, and so th- I'd say in terms of aerodynamics, the biggest thing we were thinking about was speed. And I read an article of this, this, um, this guy who had an ID four and he was able to tow three different size trailers with it, um, and calculate the different, uh, efficiencies at different speeds. And basically the, really the bigger factor to the towing range is not the weight you're towing although that does matter. It's more of the aerodynamics. So hmm. if you can drive slower, that extends your range, um, which might sound logical, but like it's, it is substantial. The difference in range you get when you're driving 45 miles per hour versus when you're driving 
75 or 60. Yeah. We just couldn't have done it at 70 miles an hour. I'd say that's another drawback to the, uh, EV road tripping. <laughs> um, Grant is a very conservative driver. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a speed demon, but I definitely drive faster than Grant. So and fast. like, it did get frustrating <laughs> at times to have to conserve my speed, knowing that if I drove too fast, we weren't going to make it to the next charger. Um, so yeah, that that's, if you're a speed demon, maybe don't tow. <laughs> yeah, you will get strained. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know when learning that, of course, like you were saying, Grant, it's kind of sounds intuitive that you slow down, you get more range, but also sometimes my brain is like, but I don't get it. I don't, I don't really get it, but it, yeah. of course it extends it, but it, that is part of it. You have to slow down a good bit. So when sure. you, I'm sure you experienced the ID for efficiency without the trailer, and then you added on the trailer. So can you tell me a little bit more about how maybe what the efficiency was just ID four cruising around. I don't know if you did a road trip in it before you just went on 3000 mile. Maybe you just sent it with the camper. Uh, and then <laughs> No, we tested it weird. once. Okay. once. Yeah. Okay. And then how the efficiency changed with the, with the trailer. Yeah. So in our normal range, it says 270 is a normal range. I'd say if we're doing highway driving, which without the scamp, it really turns out to be about 250 to 265 at, 70 miles an hour. So, you know, right around there. Um, when we tow with the scamp, I'd say the really generous, like if we're driving 50 miles an hour, 55, we can get 150 miles of range. Um, but if we're driving faster and we've got the bikes on the back, it could go down to 110. And then you also have to factor in temperature. So we did it in, it was October and Mm -hmm. Most of the time it was pretty favorable, like 55 to 65 degrees. Um, but if it was warmer, I think we would have gotten a little bit better of range. If it was colder though, uh, like we were to do in the winter, since the ID fours, at least the one we have, um, it doesn't have a heat pump, uh, that would further, um, lower the range. So the way I think about it is kind of like, we really enjoy running and uh, biking and stuff like that. Like when you run, you kind of know like how far you can go, how fast you can go. And you kind of have to uh, think about that when you're starting your run and like, I'm going to run seven miles a day. I can't sprint the whole thing. Um, and honestly, like that car, I almost feel like you have to be kind of in tune with it. Almost like you'd be in tune with your body on like a longer run because the, the computer is not smart enough yet, the software, to know exactly how much range you're going to get in the next segment of the trip. Um, because at least the way that the Volkswagen software w- works right now is, uh, you know, they don't really know that we're towing. Um, and they also don't know that uh, what the next 100 miles is going to look like in terms of elevation and things of that nature. Um, I know Tesla has gotten better at that. But again, like, we're towing a, a camper. So we're the exception. So we honestly, I did not, I would not trust the range setting that the car would say at the time. So what we would do is like try to map it out in terms of what the elevation was going to look like in the distance. Um, I remember in Kansas one day, even thinking about wind speed and wind direction, uh, which <laughs> that's like way too many factors for, you know, a normal person to want to think about yes. if you're just trying to go on a road trip. So mm-hmm. you really have to do some, like, if you're going to try this, you can do it hundred percent. Like 
if you do some trial trips before you do a big trip, it really helps you kind of like know your car and know what it's capable of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not for the average person either. I would say like Grant and I are, we like to try different stuff and this is, isn't, isn't something that I think like the average person wants to do and yeah. we get it. Like it is a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit adventurous. Yeah. I mean, we use like the windy app to see where, which way the wind's going to be flowing on a long road trip. And and Kyle will also, especially if he's towing, consider like, are we going to have a headwind or not? You know, and like, how's this going to affect my day? And when your route, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the future now and listeners, the windy app just sounds spelled just like it sounds W I N D Y. And, um, I'm pretty sure it's free, but you can look, it'll show you the direction of the, of the wind, but you really do have to think about that when you're thinking about efficiency over long Mm -hmm. distances, especially when it comes to, you know, with Tesla, the supercharger network is a bit more ubiquitous. You can kind of pull over wherever. And, but this way you're like, we got to stretch, like if you're going across Kansas and I'd love to know your route. And then also the route planning of the ID four, I know you were talking about, maybe you couldn't trust necessarily the range it was giving you, but how did the Mm -hmm. route planning go? And then where did you go? You said Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Kansas. Yeah. So we started in central California um, in Carmel and that we actually met Kyle from out of spec in Carmel at car week and funny story. Like I remember telling him we were about to tow across country, um, with our ID four and a camper. And he gave me like, Hey, good luck. <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> if it's going to work. And honestly that we'd already bought the car at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, so we're, like, well, we're full sending this, this is happening. <laughs> my, my heart sank. And so I want Kyle to know we made it first of all. <laughs> Uh, but you no, know, hearing from him, we like have to get towed to our next spot no. either. Not one time. <laughs> we did, we did get AAA because of that AAA, like premiere, um, just so we know, just in case. <laughs> but, uh, God. so the way we did the route planning though, was if you go on electrify America's, um, website, they have an entire, uh, map of all of their chargers across the U S and there's, you know, the Eastern seaboard has a pretty good route. Um, the West coast has a ton of chargers, uh, and then going East West, there's like three main routes. So we were considering maybe going through the Southern route, which is like, I think through Tucson and then the mid route, which is like through Denver and then through Kansas, um, and through Tennessee. Um, and then the Northern route, the Northern route, I think had the, the biggest distances between, uh, chargers. It was like Montana and stuff like that. And probably um, colder and colder too. So that's definitely something to think about. But the central route, we had, we were meeting friends in Denver and I mapped it out with an Excel sheet. I wish Electrify America had a setting where it would just tell you the distance between charging stations. Um, yeah. so you could plan, but I literally, I got every single address of every single charging station for, you know, all 40 charging stations on that route. And I mapped out like, all right, we've got 70 miles between this one, 60 miles between this one, 40 miles between this one, 120 between the next one. And that would kind of, we'd have to plan out our days around that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where it kind of became a game, honestly. Uh, But once I mapped it out and was like, you know what? The longest stretch I think was 127 miles that we had to cover. Um, I knew, I knew we could do that. I just knew what it meant is we just had to slow down a little bit and we'll at least make it, you know, Mm -hmm. and we can guarantee that for ourselves. Yeah. Um, the one thing that we had to think about too on the highway though, was like, if we're going too slow, then that's also kind of dangerous. Like some people for sure. wouldn't 
expect someone that small to be going that slow. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we also like Grant did so much work on the back end or on the front end rather, um, doing the spreadsheet and calculating the distances. I really wanted to have fun on this trip as well. So oh. we were trying to create a route that um, also included some national parks. And then we visited some friends in Denver. Um, but to Grant's point earlier, I do wish that they had like a road trip feature um, on the ID4's website or on an app or something so that we could, could have done that a bit easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we, we made it to Zion. Where else did we go? Zion National Park. Nice. Um, that was beautiful. Arches, Moab. Um, Moab, yeah. Uh, the caves in Kentucky. Those yeah, were amazing. So underrated. I wish more people knew about um, Mammoth Caves. It, it's a really cool national park in Kentucky. So I'm writing that down. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're on the East Coast, it definitely <laughs> is a nice spot. But I think okay. so. The trip took us 14 days, right? Or 12. Oh, 12 days. I'd say only three. I think four of the days were really like exploration, like hanging out with friends days. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then the other three days where we like barely drove, we have one day we didn't drive at all. Yeah. We had zero, zero mile days, which were great. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so I would say there was more, it was, a, this was a 14 day road trip or 12 day road trip, but 70% of it was driving and, you know, showing up to the campsite and hanging out and 30% mm -hmm. of it was actually exploring. Um, and that, you know what, that's the case though. If you're ever going to do a cross country road trip, if you're in a gas car or, or, a, or a plug in hybrid or an electric car is that like you spend a lot of time driving. Um, yeah. and I, I will say the comparison though, we drove across the country <laughs> from, um, was it North Carolina to California? And we did that trip in my Subaru in three days. Yeah. We yeah, also had 16 no, hour days. no time for exploring, but I think if we had done like the 70, 30 rule that we had just done, um, it probably would have taken us five days in a, mm -hmm. in a regular car without towing anything. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it definitely took us longer. I, I wouldn't do it any other way at this point, but it, it does take a little while. It does. Did you usually charge up? It sounds like you probably showed up at a low state of charge to the chargers. What did you usually charge up to enough to have a, you know, safe buffer to get to the next spot? Or did you yeah. always go to like 90? What was it? We, if we had a big gap to hit like over a hundred miles, we'd usually just go to a hundred percent, which ideally we don't want to do because we know it's not good for battery health. Uh, but at the time it was necessary. And yeah. uh, if so, but if we had like a 70 mile stretch in between chargers, that was, we knew that we could, first of all, we could up our speed. We could go like 65, 70, 75, and only leave with like 80% charge and still get to the next charging station with mm -hmm. plenty of buffer. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of the game there was that like, if there was, if it was a big stretch between charging stations, we had to think about it and drive slower. If it was a short stretch, we could kind of operate more like, you know, normal driving, not really think about it. And, mm -hmm. and that, that's where I think when we get to a point where charging stations are every 15, 20, or maybe 30 miles from each other, you're just, you're not going to have to over plan and think so much about it to where like the everyday person could just jump in their electric car, throw on a trailer and, and go on a trip. Like the way it is now, mm -hmm. it really does require planning. You can do it, but it takes, it takes so much planning. Um, yeah. 
It does. And then Felicia would be able to drive at the speeds that I like to, yeah. which is a bit faster yeah. <laughs> on the roads. Yeah. And that's, I'm hoping to see more corridors filled because with Electrify America stations and EVgo stations, they're placed where, you know, they will be utilized, where they will make some money back at grocery stores and sure. shopping malls and all that stuff in cities. But along the highways, it's going to be, like you're saying, really important to have just tens of miles between them so you can pull off like a gas station. We're always going to be able to find gas. And I I would love to talk about the chargers that you did hit along the way. And I know you have, you know, free 30 minutes with Electrify America. And on our VF8 or VinFast road trip from North Carolina to Tennessee, we hit EVgo, we hit Electrify America, and we even hit Francis Power Stations. So we Hmm. we hit a few different ones. But what was the lineup that you saw 3,000 miles coast to coast? It was almost entirely Electrify America that we relied on. Um, and for for cost sake too, we, just because we have the free charging, we were really trying to use that as much as possible. Totally. But there, honestly, I felt we did look at times when there was a big distance between uh, Electrify America stations, we would look for other options. EV go is an option. Some of the States, which we use plug share just to see. And honestly, Mm -hmm. it was like usually Electrify America and then. Tesla would pop up on there. Obviously, we can't use Tesla chargers unless they're the ones with the magic dock, which at the time in October, they were just starting to roll those out. And uh, so we got to use one of those in Moab, Utah. And that honestly saved us. We would not have been able to go to Moab, I don't think, without that because all the others were level two chargers, which would take 10 hours Mm. to charge overnight. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about the magic dock. How did that go? Was it easy? Great. Yeah. Great can't wait till all the Tesla chargers have that. It'll make everything for everyone so much better. And Tesla will take our money through charging. So, (laughs) I mean, it's, I think it's a win-win for everyone. And it it was a good experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and like Francie, to your point, um, what you were saying about like where, where the chargers are, they're mostly at grocery stores, at least for Electrify America, Um, like Walmarts typically. Um, so we actually ate a lot healthier while we were on this road trip versus our road trip with my gas car. Um, Super true. Because we we weren't eating at like fast food places. We would stop and go get like a quick lunch at whatever they had like in to go section at Walmart. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a benefit. We we spent a lot less too because we were just buying stuff at Walmart. That is That's true. Forgot about that. <laughs> I know yeah. they're Walmart and EA. I mean, that's what we were saying too, is like, hof- hopefully you like Walmart if you're traveling yeah. through America yeah. right now with an EA because you're going to be stopping. But that's a point too, is like, we've noticed things about fatigue, how if you spend more time out of the car, stretching your legs or whatever, maybe you feel less on an EV road trip or yeah, you can have healthier meals instead of the Wendy's or McDonald's that's attached to the gas station or whatever and have yeah. a bit more. But again, some people might hate that or some people might embrace the experience. So I think that's definitely a, kind of the benefit of longer stops. We're not always in a rush, but of course, people are sometimes in a rush. So it'll be interesting to see as more charges come up. I, I did a Tesla road trip back to back with the VFA, but you can just plug in with the Tesla, get as much as you need to get to the next stop. So that can be as short as 10 minute charge. Whereas mm-hmm. I usually need like 30 to 40 minute charges, which means I'm enjoying my time and mm-hmm. lollygagging along the way. So mostly Electrify America, you hit a magic dock. Was there any charging experience along the way 
whether it was a pull through that you saw or whether it was some sort of amenity or something that happened at the site that you were like, I want to see this more places or I want to see this nowhere. Yeah. So I'd say there, I think there were only two small businesses that had Electrify America um, charging stations at them. And at the time when we got there, it was like afternoon. I think they were mostly morning diners. And uh, I wish that more charging stations were at small businesses because that's one of the most fun things about road trips, meeting local people and supporting small businesses. And um, honestly, if Electrify America and charging you know, station companies, I know competition is going to enter the market. Like they can make a choice. They don't have to always go to Walmart. They can choose to, you know, install at small businesses. And like, that's just an automatic way to help support small businesses. We would have preferred to do that, honestly, to go, because then you have something to do too, while you're waiting for 30 minutes, like grab coffee or something like that. We're big coffee shop goers. So like, if we, if we had a coffee shop that we could have just charged at, it would have just, we could have stopped and grabbed a coffee and sat Mm -hmm. there for 30 minutes. And it would have been a really relaxing, enjoyable experience. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, because along corridors, of course, we think pull right off the highway, get it at the pilot or travel flying J center, whatever. I've mixed those up. But yeah, and mm-hmm. and just be able to pull right off. But you if you're spending an extended amount of time and the tourism attractive attraction of like a small main street of a town you'd never see unless you went in there, that could be mm-hmm. cool. So I would be interested to see if maybe you know, the federal funding from Nevi will go to Nevi will go to states and states kind of make a decision because I know that some of them have to, I mean, it's mostly corridor focused, but if we could also focus mm-hmm. on, you know, Hey, like route 66, that whole route was upheld by the highway, you know, travel, the tourism. And so how we could do that with EV charging and how we could support small communities. Cause I do think it's great to see the stories of little places along the way. So you saw that maybe more of supporting small businesses. And mm-hmm. would you say that you'd be more likely to go maybe an extra couple or t- to five miles out of your way if it were somewhere yeah. where you could maybe be a little bit more intrigued by the environment? Definitely. For sure. Yeah. And the other thing to think about too is uh, campgrounds. So we we were relying on some non-traditional charging infrastructure through that because um, we have a... Uh, we have a charge that we bring with us that's a level one and level two. And it has the neat, it's a NEMA 1450, I believe, or 1050 or something like that. That's yeah. the plug that goes into campground RV uh, ports. Yeah. So if we got, there are a few times when we got to campgrounds where we, we got there with 10%, we plug it in overnight and you wake up and you have a hundred percent charge. So the problem though, is there are some campgrounds that don't allow EV charging Um, and there isn't full transparency around it sometimes. Like it's kind of mysterious whether you can do it or can't kind of can't, but that was the most like simple, easy way to charge because the infrastructure is already there. You just plug your charger in, you know, your charger is going to work as long as their outlet is working and you wake up and you have a full charge. Um, which means instead of like having like, before you get to your campground to prepare for the next day. Um, and, you know, go to an Electrify America station and charge to hundred percent. You just roll into your campground, charge up, and then you're off the next day. So that, that is, I think is underutilized. Mm-hmm, definitely. And with your camper, you were already thinking about camping, but I think a lot of people think, you know, if I'm going to incorporate in, in, this into my lifestyle and I love to camp and drive to campsites, how can mm-hmm. I do it? So I know Felicia, you mentioned that y'all use PlugShare a good bit. Did you use that to find these camp camping sites that you were able to charge at as well? 
Or what did she use? So um, I'm not sure that they're really, uh, they don't show up on the I think it was one time. It, there, there were a few times where I looked where there, there were some plug share, um, yeah, like points of interest chargers that were at campsites, but like, there wasn't a ton of people using them. And also like I, I felt more comfortable if I called the owner and asked if it was okay. So I just, I don't think campsites are really knowledgeable yet that they can add themselves a plug share and it can be yeah. a way for them to bring in additional revenue. Issue. Um, yeah. So if more campsite owners that are aware of that, some of them are, are going to want to keep that out maybe because their grid can't handle it. Um, but if you can handle it, I'd say, you know, let the electric car people come in because they're going to pay for a campsite and uh, you know, they're going to bring their business with you. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely take advantage of that. I wonder what kind of incentives there would be for that as well. Are all the millennials now coming on and buying campsites and making them awesome? Like, sure. think about the EV charging. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet you have. So, of course, we're talking about the efficiency and everything, but also in the ID4, you're 3,000 miles. What is the comfort of it? What are there things that you would recommend the ID4 just like sitting in it and the practicality of that EV? Hmm. Um, so long. I'm trying to think if there's anything. It was well, generally a very comfortable experience. We did. We do have a bit of an issue with the ID's for uh, ID four's um, entertainment system, and I think this has been a complaint of many of the owners. But it just gets a little buggy sometimes. Like the CarPlay doesn't always connect to Grant's phone. It favors mine. For yeah, some it always connects to hers, not mine. <laughs> um, yeah, and then like the the um, other apps get a little bit buggy sometimes. Yeah. We, mm. I also really love that we've, we've um, driven one Tesla or maybe two. Um, and I really love the feature um, that it has on there where it tells you how many more miles you have until you're empty. Um, and at what speed will like maximize that, that range. Um, and that's something that ID4 yeah. doesn't have. I wish it mm. did. Mm -hmm. It does. It's just not reliable. <laughs> so you shouldn't, shouldn't trust it. It's like, it, oh, but the, the Tesla tells you like what speed you should drive at. That's true. That's true. It does try to predict a range, but it just, I did not trust it. And for good reason, I think, but what yeah. about lane assist was amazing. Oh, yeah. That was so, so nice. like yeah, great point. with Tony too. Yeah. And I wasn't yeah. sure if it was even going to work with the trailer, if that messed it up, but we would just click set and green lights show up and it would it would take us home like we obviously it makes you have to keep your hand on the steering wheel and you have to pay attention we always were but it made at least it, it was way less mentally taxing um mm -hmm. because you could focus you could kind of focus less on just staying in your lane and more on like defensive driving like all right where is this semi truck behind me um you know what's going on around me are there any deer that are about to pop up um, I'm kind of an anxious driver. <laughs> you can tell. You can't tell. <laughs> so lane assist for me, I felt made us a lot safer. And then uh, just all, yeah, like way less mentally taxing on always mm -hmm. having to stay 100% focused. So yeah. that was great. Towing, like, honestly, like we were saying, towing with the ID4 in terms of the way it feels and the way it accelerates and the way we can get up to highway speed with the trailer, like so easy. Uh, it's really just the range and the charging that's the issue. The towing is yeah. amazing. The driving experience without towing as well in the ID4 is is great. I, it drives so smooth. So I really have no complaints on the 
on the ID four as far That's as the great. car goes. It's it's an awesome car. Good. Sounds like you make the right decision after all that research for yeah. sure. And then <laughs> you take it three thousand miles, you're like, We're gonna put you to work, ID four. Yeah, yeah. And when you made it to the end after the three thousand miles, you camped along the way, you saw friends, you experienced the real life of public charging infrastructure and road tripping an EV, towing, you know, a trailer, you know, the whole big experience. How did it feel at the end of 3000 miles? <laughs> I was so grateful you- that we made it. <laughs> yeah. We were like, Oh my gosh, we actually did it. <laughs> um, we Felt made like it from one beach to the other beach at one coast to the other. Um, oh, nice. that was, that was super, uh, rewarding. Um, I yeah. give so much credit to Grant because he did a lot of the research to to get us there, and he was very patient. Um, so are you though? We <laughs> if if we weren't both patient going into it, like that would have it would have been it could have been a failure like big time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Definitely. We're still together, luckily. <laughs> uh, I think the trip kind of strengthened our relationship because yeah, we just had to be on the same page about yeah. a lot of things and and be patient with each other. But also, I, what I will say is like. Um, yeah, we were ready to be done. Uh, it was 12 days straight. It was a lot. And we've kind of taken, it's been three or four months since then. We ha- we've, we haven't done any trips since then. Um, and I, what I will say is that like, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't ever do that trip that we did for fun. Like, I think the way this, uh, this setup shines is like, if you have a family campsite, that's 30 or 40 miles away from your house, um, and you want to go there on a weekend, it's like a great way to do that. It's economical. It's more sustainable. Um, it is also convenient. You can go there and back all in one charge. Um, and that would be super convenient and maybe some more smaller regional trips, or at least if you're planning on going slow, like if we're going to do like a two month road trip, then we would have spent way more time just having fun. And you, I don't think we would have noticed like the drag that was charging as much because we did have to get to the East coast for, you know, a job that you were starting soon. So, mm-hmm. um, completely. Yeah. But it, on a timeline for sure. Mm-hmm. We gave ourselves some breathing room. Thankfully, like we, we had an extra week on the tail end just in case things didn't go as planned, but yeah. Yeah. If you've got the time, then it's, it's an experience. <laughs> So it's, yeah, definitely doable. You did work along the way. And then you mentioned before, you know, when we were talking earlier that you did a 10,000 mile service, right? So how did that go after the big road trip, after everything you put your ID for through, what did they say? Nothing. They said nothing. They just, we dropped it off. They did the routine, routine check. And I, I didn't specifically tell them that we did a road trip with it, but, um, I think they would have known because, uh, we have a trailer hitch. We also, the efficiency we're, we're getting as an average over the course of the car's lifespan is like way less. So I thought they might see that and be like, there could be something wrong with your drivetrain, but really it would just be because we're, we had a, you know, decreased efficiency average because for half 3000 miles, we were towing the scamp. So they just said it was fine. And we haven't noticed any differences in the car. I'm guessing that we're probably going to wear through our, our tread a little faster with our tires, but mm-hmm. Um, I, I would like us honestly to be a use case for like, you know, towing, towing consistently over the lifetime of an EV. And I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, time will tell like how long it'll last. But one of the reasons we got rid of the Subaru Outback was because the transmission was 
you know, definitely going to fail. Um, and I, my car was burning through oil so fast. And yeah. that's another thing that I'm really grateful for with the EV. <laughs> like, I don't have to think about maintenance at all on this car. It's great. Yeah. It'd it be great. If, if we hit 3,000, 300,000 miles on it, I'd be astounded. And I feel like it would be like a shining star for electric vehicles. And I, I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but I'm optimistic and we'll see. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a cool part of this is in driving EVs right now is that we're proving what they can do, you know, what they need to be able to do, what it's like to drive EVs today and be able to be a resource for other people. You could definitely write the how to of how to tow from one coast to the other going this route. And here's some <laughs> tips and tricks. Yeah. And um, it, it's like you made it, you were relieved. And I'd love to know, you know, you thought it would be important, like you said, to show that this is definitely possible. Maybe it's not, you know, you def it was it was work, right? And you were doing mm -hmm. it in a timeline. You wanted to do it. You could take months to do it. Maybe that would change it. But how important, why is it important for you to showcase your experience, do you think, in, you know, in February 2024, that you can tow from coast to coast in an ID4 with your scamp? Yeah, I, I know a lot of people are thinking about it. Uh, switching over to an electric vehicle and they're probably wondering like is this gonna um make it harder for me to do what i want to do and people are thinking about switching to electric vehicles for for all types of different reasons and you know there's a lot of misconceptions about it and i cannot tell you how many conversations we had with people along the way they were so curious about oh you're towing with an electric vehicle like i didn't even know you can do that i didn't know it was possible and for someone like us, like a couple that shares a car that we only wanted one vehicle, we wanted a car that was pretty versatile. Like we got the ID4 and it is an amazing everyday vehicle. And then when we want to go on road trips, we at least can. And it is like hampered a little bit because of the charging infrastructure right now, but like it's still possible. Um, and I don't, I, we know the technology is only going to get better, not worse. So uh, we're excited about that. And I'd say if you're like, we want people to know that if you do your research, you can make it work um, and you don't really have to compromise too much. So, yeah, we we live in the south right now. Um, we're living in um, the southeast part of the United States and there's like almost everyone owns a truck. Right. And they've all got great, great towing abilities. Um, but it would be really cool to see more EVs that have the hitch on the back and you're like, wow, cool. That's they're towing with that EV too. Um, so I, I think we just need to get the word out there that it is possible and, and it doesn't suck. It, it's actually like it tows so smooth. You don't need to have a truck in order to, to, uh, tow. So that's true. Yeah. You don't have to do it. You can do it, which I think is great. Yeah. A highlight of your story is it's possible. Would you say, I know that you did a lot of research. Would you say that that was essential to your success or could someone wing it? You'd have, you'd have to do, do some research. research. Yeah. yeah. And do, do some trial trips. If you're um, going to do a longer trip, get, get those like data points on like what your range really is with your specific setup. But no, you can't, you can't just wing it yet, unfortunately. So, uh, but I think we'll get there. Yeah, I think so too. Is there something you're most excited about now as EV drivers, you road trip, you appreciate the benefits that this can bring to your life that you're looking forward to in the future of whether it's, 
you know, it could be anything EV adjacent as we cover on the podcast, but in this space of going electric that you're excited to see coming our way. Something definitely came to mind. And honestly, uh, it's kind of a crazy thing that you can tow like a home with you. It's, it's kind of wild. And honestly, um, what we found along the way was that campsites are still fairly expensive, like 40 to 70 bucks a night. in a lot of places we've, we've traveled Europe before where we're staying in nice hotels where it costs 30 to $50 a night. And you know, you get your own room and you maybe you have to share a bathroom, but it's still like a really good experience at nice places for pretty affordable. Um, and I feel like the, there's something maybe a little messed up with travel in America. It just can be very expensive. Um, and for instance, we stayed in this one hotel in Vail that was, we actually needed a break that night from staying in the EV or staying in the scamp. Um, I think it was like $300 to stay that one night, but we realized our hotel was like, it was like four, 500 square feet, which is kind of massive for a hotel. It was like just one room, 10 of our scamps, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> one bed, all we really want when we're traveling is like a nice place to sleep, honestly, mm-hmm. at least for someone and like us. And a shower. Yeah. Which we definitely need a shower. We, we built our own shower in our trailer, which is a whole nother story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um I think though that if there were more affordable like lodging options that were simple, it would free up it you wouldn't feel like you there's a requirement to bring your home with you, you know, and it, we'd pass by a ton of these RVs on the highway that I mean, they're so massive so massive, like 10 times bigger than our scamp. (laughs) That is, that is a house, right? So I just feel like there's something weird a little bit in the, 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 um, travel setup in America. I I would love, I love to have that as an option. The, the scamp and the ID four. we can bring it literally wherever we can go to national forests, but a really cool thing that I'm looking out for is like the Aptera, um, solar charging car. You know, it's really lightweight. Theoretically, if, it charges on solar and it's efficient enough. You'd never have to plug it in. Um, traveling like light with that and then staying in like smaller accommodations that are more affordable would be a really nice option. I feel like that would be easier, more fun, but I just don't think that those cheaper accommodations exist, honestly, yeah. out there. We're also very excited about the um, ID bus or the oh yeah, ID bus. Uh, the ID bus. Yeah, yeah. Um, Volkswagen, we'd love to experience that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Honestly, we'll experiment with it. Yeah, Yeah. contrast on it. I'm so excited they're doing that. Yeah, I'm literally that is my dream EV. So I've been talking about that a lot lately. I'm like, it's perfect, and for this kind of thing where you know you make a good point, Grant, that getting out there and traveling can be so expensive and not everyone wants to camp at a free BLM site because also camping gear costs money, but mm-hmm. yeah, being able to stay at affordable, but not, you know, crap shoots of motels or whatever. If you, if you yes. want to see the country would be really cool. So I totally see that. And then of course, yeah, you speak to Aptera and this incredible technology that we hope to see the potential really realized there. And, you know, we've been asking how can solar really play a difference in how we get around and in transportation. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a tough nut to crack, but they're really working on it. And hopefully we can see something from Aptera that is real soon. And yeah, yeah, looking forward to that for sure. And then the VWID buzz, Felicia. Yeah, that is truly my dream. I would love to go to all 50 Mm -hmm. states. And that one, you know, so much in the EV space, we talk about like 
zero to 60 efficiency technology. But with the VWID buzz, it's like, this is the lifestyle. I'm going to take my time and see the world and uh, really embrace that experience that we were talking about. So I, yeah, I really appreciate y'all reaching out to share this experience because I do think it's important. A lot of people say, Hey, that won't fit my lifestyle. And then they even, you know, so if they're looking for towing, they're like, Oh, I got to look to look for trucks. Maybe you do depending on what you're towing all the time, but you can do it in the, in the VW ID four. Yeah. You can. We're proof. Mm -hmm. Would you do it again the other way? We're not going to, but if we had to, we would. So <laughs> if you had to, you could. I mean, yeah, this is our only car. So yeah, sometimes we, you don't have an option. We probably would if we had to. We'd just do our research all over again. Amazing. And would you recommend the VWID for to people if they are looking for an EV? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Good car. Yeah. Love it. Are you thinking of ever growing the lineup anymore? Would it be EV or would do you think you'd go back to something like your super outback? Hmm. We've, we've thought about this a little bit and I, I think that, I don't know, we'd have to talk about it more, but it is nice to have the option with like a hybrid where you can do a quick road trip. Like if you're in a rush to get somewhere, um, the charging just isn't fast right now. So if you're never in a rush to get anywhere, then yeah, get another, a second EV, but sometimes Sometimes we're in a rush and the gas cars are nice, but there's also like, there's a lot to consider when you're getting a gas car. So I'd prefer to get another EV if we, if we got another one, but we'd have to think about it a little bit. Yeah. Plug-in hybrid where I'd say right now is like the toy. So if if someone didn't want to get the VW ID4 and they just wanted to go plug-in hybrid to start the Toyota um, RAV4 Prime, is kind of a mouthful, but it's the plug-in hybrid, which is you can you can drive it for 40 miles on electricity, and then after that, you have a gas car, basically. That would be mm-hmm. a really good option for people that have, like, a small camper trailer and wanted to mm-hmm. tow. But when we looked in that, though, the cost of that was actually way higher. I think it was, like, starting at 45 k with no tax credits, um, at least wow. for us at the time. Yeah. And uh, the ID4 was, a, was actually a whole lot cheaper, so... Yeah, Very we've cool. thought about it, but we know the trajectory of where charging is heading and it's getting better and better. We we all have to come together and continue to make it better. But um, I have a feeling that we probably won't go back again. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. think so. It, especially nice. all everything's starting to get better. It just keeps improving. So I, I don't anticipate we'll need to go back um, by the time we get a second car. Hope not. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you're going to be able to compare what you experienced over your 3,000 miles to the future as we see it just unfold and hopefully get better and better. I'm really excited to see how the charging infrastructure comes out, the technology of the cars to be able to maybe charge more efficiency and the chargers to deliver a greater charging curve, charging peak, and just help more people embrace the electric lifestyle as well as affordability of EVs, which looks like you found a, a pretty good deal with the ID for. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy for y'all and I'm glad you made you. it. And now you've been resting at your end point and sharing, sharing your story, which I really appreciate. And I think yeah. our audience appreciates too, just the reality of owning an EV and towing with it too. I think that's definitely a question for people. What are the capabilities, but it's possible. So thank you so much for coming on to the out of spec podcast, Grant oh, and yeah. Felicia. Thank you. Thanks, for having us. Yeah, it was fun. Of course.
And if, if do y'all, do y'all have any thing that you would like people to follow your, your electric story, or are you just going around sharing it as? Yeah. So we're kind of using other people's platforms to, to get it out there. Um, we did a video with uh, TFL, the Fastlane EV with Nathan there. We're doing this video with you. I'll comment down below when you post this on YouTube. Uh, and if people want to ask specific questions, I'm happy to answer them there. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully if someone's like really thinking about doing this, but they have those final questions, like think of us as a resource. So you can find me there in Good. the comments mm -hmm. or on, yeah. on Twitter as well at Grant Talek, which you could add that to the YouTube description or something like that. And I'll definitely uh, they reach out to me. I'll, I'll give them a response. Perfect. Yeah. I think this community is all about sharing information and asking questions and being curious and asking people who really experienced it. So I appreciate it. Grant and Felicia. Yeah. Audience, let us know if you, what questions you have. I'm sure there's more too. Y'all experienced a lot over your, your like almost two weeks of travel, uh, 3000 miles. So let us know in the comments. Grant will be there lurking to answer your, answer your questions. And, um, I'm sure there'll be great answers. So thank you again, Grant and Felicia. I really appreciate your time and energy and sharing your story. Congratulations on the big road trip and the feat and all that you learned along the way. And thank you everyone for tuning into the out of spec podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time on the next one. Bye-bye.